0: Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast studio getting ready to record episode number 187. We're going to talk about how to defend delayed steals, kind of get into a little bit of a discussion. Had a listener ask for uh, that topic to be talked about, so we're happy to to get to it today. But Before we do that, let's talk about our sponsor. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast-pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And as always, please make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. It's a great way for you to save that additional 20% on an already very affordable, high quality, top of the line bat, glove, or whatever it is that you're looking for. Uh, Go to anderson.com, they'll get you hooked up. So then also let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We have a new patron this week. I want to say thank you very much to Lael Fauché, for coming on board as a new patron. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and we've been talking about this now. Uh, every time we add somebody, we get a little bit closer to the break-even point. We're talking about 5 10 or $20 a month. So if you see value in what we're doing, if you want to be able to help us and help us keep the podcasts going, please check out patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch and consider becoming a patron. Uh, we're really close to the break-even point. We'd love to get a couple more people to come on board and see if we can't get this thing across the finish line.
1: No, again, it's an easy way to help out, and we sure appreciate it. And we definitely do appreciate it, and we always want to make sure that
0: uh, our current patrons know how much we appreciate them. Some of them have been with us for a very long time, and uh, we really do appreciate all the support. So, Don, the idea of delayed steals. So, before we get into that, I wanted to kind of just frame my definition, or the best way to explain for anybody that's not exactly sure what we're talking about what uh, a delayed steal is. And so... There's several different ways that this type of situation can emerge. The classic one is a base runner who takes a leadoff and then steals maybe on the throwback from the catcher to the pitcher. Uh, Maybe uh, when the ball's in flight from the catcher to the pitcher, maybe the pitcher doesn't pay enough attention to the base runner. But that base runner takes her leadoff. Tries to lull the defense into a false uh, sense of security. Is stealing well after the pitch has been delivered as a way to kind of stir things up and and put some pressure on the defense. So that's the first option of it. But there's other things that happen that I think are very much tied to the same concept and how we should be thinking about defending them. And you know, it might be a situation where a runner gets a base hit and takes a big uh, rounds first base and then break slate. Yeah. Um, it could be a situation where it's a trail runner in a, in a double steal. It could be a trail runner in a situation where there's another runner that tags up and advances. And so the biggest thing is... Well,
1: first and third. Right.
0: And the biggest thing with all these delayed steal ideas is that our defense is being asked to pay attention after what appears to be the initial play is over, to base runners that are still on the bases. And so whether it's the traditional idea of what we think of a delayed steal, where the runner takes her lead off and then breaks after the pitch has been received by the catcher at some point in time, or any of these other things that kind of create the same scenario where the base runner is running as like a secondary part to the original thing that happened. For our defense, I think a lot of solutions and a lot of the things that we should be doing are still the exact same thing. We just might be getting into that setup and getting into that uh, play a little bit differently.
1: No, I like that we're talking about it, Tori, because to me it seems like this is going to be a situation where one side has worked on this more than the other. Right. And they're going to end up looking better at the end of this little routine. Right. And they're basically counting on us not being able to throw and catch and manage the situation very well. Right. And if we can't throw and catch, then we're going to be making lots of mistakes.
0: Right. And I think especially at younger ages um, in situations maybe where the the players are not quite as experienced or with base runners that are really fast and and aggressive and and have a lot of skills on the bases, that these kinds of situations can be a great way for an offensive team to really put a lot of pressure on the team that they're playing. Cause chaos. and, and, And get things going. The bad news is that... Teams and players that are relying on this as a sole way of creating offense, I think, can get into trouble later on. Because as you get older and the players you're playing against get more experienced and hopefully a little bit better, some of the same things just don't work as well. And uh, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I went and watched a young team play that up until this year was really good at getting away with the I'm going to take a really big lead and bait you into making a throw style of base running. Yep. Sort of like what we're talking about here with the delayed steal. And it had been working great for them. They'd been scoring a lot of runs and creating a lot of that chaos that we've been talking about. But unfortunately, now they've kind of aged up a little bit. They're playing at a higher level of competition. And now every time that they try to run that play, it's you know leading to outs and, and rally killers instead of rally creators. And so, But so the whole idea of how do we defend these kinds of situations, Don, you touched on the most important thing is obviously our ability to throw and catch if we're throwing and catching well, we should be able to still make plays and still get outs. But another part of it is teaching all of our defensive players that they've got responsibilities that they have to embrace and they have to understand there's details and, and things that back
1: up roles right, and, and and things yeah. that,
0: but that they have to pay attention to to make sure that they're not creating opportunities where teams think that they can take the liberties manage, uh, yeah. on on the bases. And so First part of this, we'll just kind of break this down from the original first thought of what a delayed steal looks like. So we have a base runner at first base, we'll say, and she takes her lead off when the ball gets pitched. So player number one who has a very specific job to do right here is the catcher. And the catcher's got a couple of things that she's responsible for. Number one is checking that runner visually to make sure that she knows what's going on, what that runner is doing and where she's at in relationship to first base. And when she makes her return throw to the pitcher, that she makes a purposeful, strong throw that goes from the catcher to the pitcher fast enough. Crisp. Yeah, that's a a great word for it. that has got enough on it that it gets to the pitcher quickly. The lollipop, little flip throws, little lob throws. Uncertain. You know, throwing it, you know, half speed or less is the first uh, part of this uh, potential problem being created by our defense. Rule number one when I was coaching um, and, and working on, on base running stuff with players is the first person we're going to try to victimize is the, is the catcher. If she is throwing the ball softly, if she's not checking the runner, if she's kind of lazy and throwing it from her crouch instead of standing up and getting ready to throw, any of those things are all telltale signs that this is a situation where we might be able to delay steal and, and and run late pressure on the defense. So the catcher's job is really pretty simple. Receive the ball, check the runner, make a good throw. And a strong throw that gets the ball back to the pitcher, depending upon where that base runner is in relationship to first base. But usually, the runner that's taking a little bit bigger lead off is trying to bait us into that throw anyhow. So we have to always kind of judge the risk and reward of, is my catcher going to make a strong enough throw to first? To kind of, kind of a chess match. Right, to, to get that runner out. Or is it better for us to just throw it to the pitcher and then let the pitcher decide what to do with it? So speaking of the pitcher, the pitcher is the second part of this equation. If the pitcher is not paying attention, if she's frustrated because she just threw a ball, if she's mad because the umpire didn't call a pitch a strike, if she's not paying attention to what the base runner is doing, yeah. if she's not <laughs> checking the runner to make sure that the runner is stopped or, or returning to first base, All of those are, again, absolute green light situations for base runners that say, okay, hey, we can put a lot of pressure on this team because the pitcher's kind of in a funk. She's not really doing her job very well. So catcher does her job well, stops the first phase of this. Second part of it is the pitcher's got to do her job well, which means when she receives that throw, which should be crisp, as you said, from the catcher, she's catching it ready to do something with it. And she's aware of what's going on. She knows where the base runners are, and she's looking at them and looking for them to potentially make plays. So those are the first two pieces of the puzzle. Third piece of the puzzle is the shortstop or third baseman or whoever it is that should be covering bases based upon where the base runners are and what the situation is. And so the third thing we would always tell base runners to look for are lazy infielders who don't want to go all the way to the bag to cover their base. Absolute green light situation for our base runners was always that shortstop that takes one step towards second base, pretends like she's going to cover, puts and her head down, puts her heads down, and turns her back. Mm-hmm. If she puts her head down or turns her back, that's green light we go because then she's got to somehow have somebody get her attention, get her head back into the play, look around, figure out what's going on, run over, and take a throw from a pitcher who's probably double pumping, triple pumping, trying to figure out when she should throw it because. She doesn't really have somebody there waiting for the throw. She's kind of trying to put all these uh, puzzle pieces together to get the ball there in time.
1: So if they do it twice, they're probably going to continue to do it. Right. yeah.
0: Yeah. And so the idea of whichever infielder is supposed to cover the base, again, their job should be, let's say it's the shortstop covering second base. When that ball gets to the catcher, she should be going all the way to the second base position to cover the potential steal after she sees the ball return to the pitcher, she should still be covering second base until the pitcher has made sure that that base runner has stopped and is going back to first base. Because they would have to keep going back. Right. Once they yep. start going back to first base, I think you should still stay there until she gets to first base. And then once she's back on the bag, now you can go back to your shortstop position. So there's three big pieces to this puzzle, and all three of them have to do what they're supposed to do. All three of them, if they do what they're supposed to do, the delayed steal would never even be a an idea or a topic for a team because they would look at it and say, well, the catcher's too good, the pitcher's too good, the, the infielders are too disciplined. There's no opportunities here. But the reality of it is that we know over the course of games and many games in some cases, players, it's just human nature. They start to take things for granted. They start to assume that nobody's going to go anywhere. Sleepy-eyed. Yeah, but... and, and and just a little bit uh, lackadaisical, because they don't expect anything to happen. And that little bit of... Relaxed moment. Right, is enough sometimes to open the door. And if you think it doesn't happen, um, I watched Florida State basically do a delayed steal in a game on national TV three or four weeks ago that was a huge play in them winning a game. And that's at the a highest, highest level. possible level. Yep. But the same thing there... Catcher kind of wandered away from home plate a little bit, kind of flipped the ball to the pitcher. By the time the pitcher figured out what was going on, she wanted to throw the ball back to home plate, but the catcher was, you know, ten feet in front. But so the catcher's trying to run to the home plate, the pitcher's trying to figure out where to throw it, the base runner's coming down the line, going full tilt, and ended up, you know, just sneaking in and beating the play because
1: slide. Yeah, because
0: of her aggressiveness and her awareness of seeing what was going on. So there's a again, a player who probably has drilled and drilled and drilled these ideas of, well, what should I be looking for if I'm going to try to take an extra base? Okay, lazier distracted catcher, lazier distracted pitcher, lazier distracted infielders, and any of those combinations can solve it. So uh, back to our original question from our listener was how do we defend it we have to work on all these different pieces with all the players that are involved in these situations. You know, we have to work really hard with our catcher or whatever infielder it is, because the same thing could happen on a first and third play where the second baseman maybe cuts a throw off that's going to second base. Well, as soon as she cuts we all have it off... to be in
1: sync. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, now, she's the one that's got the original catcher's role of, I've got the ball, I've got to make sure that I'm checking runners, I've got to make sure that I, you know, I'm in control of what's happening and paying attention. And so the whole idea is that the best way to defend it is number one, and Don, you touched on this at the beginning practice your throwing and receiving really well. If you throw the ball well and catch the ball well, even aggressive teams that are trying to delay steal, you should be getting outs 99% of the time.
1: Accurate counts.
0: Right. And experienced enough that you don't freak out and panic because somebody's putting some extra pressure on you defensively.
1: Yeah, because if we're having to make crazy catches on an off throw, right. um, that doesn't put us in position to make the next throw. Right. And
0: But the biggest thing I think that goes into that is if I'm already where I'm supposed to be, if I'm already doing what I'm supposed to be doing, there shouldn't be too many crazy throws or, or hard to manage things. You know, the situations we talked about before... Where it gets so complicated is when that person who's supposed to be receiving the throw isn't isn't where they're supposed to be. Isn't
1: there, yeah. Right.
0: All of a sudden, light bulb comes on, panic sets in, Uh, Oh no! and all of a sudden you've got all kinds of moving parts that shouldn't necessarily all be moving at that same time. And so to work with our infielders, our pitchers and catchers and infielders, to make sure that they understand that the play isn't over until it's really over, that they've got to be where they're supposed to be every single pitch that they need to take care of the ball on every single pitch, that they need to do the, the most fundamental things like checking the runner and covering the base and making good throws and receiving the ball, expecting to do something with it, all those different things. And I think that's going to solve this whole, is anybody going to be delayed stealing on us? If you're coaching a team and people are delayed stealing a lot, I think we've touched on some things today that you need to take a good look at and make sure that you address them uh, as quickly as we can. And when I say Lazy catcher, I don't necessarily mean that that's like a personal attack on her attitude about the game, but you know things that appear to be that a moment l- in the game right or yeah. or a little bit lazy ish in their performance. How many catchers are likely to every time there's a runner on base, they receive a pitch to pop up like they're ready to throw, stand up, and throw it back like they're making a real throw versus well she hasn't gone on the first pitch so now I'm gonna throw from my knees now she didn't she go on the second pitch the I'm gonna um, lob it from my knees well she didn't go on the third pitch so now I'm gonna lob it from my knees and not even look at her to check her to make her go back and all of a sudden what started off being a, I'm totally locked in catcher is looking pretty lazy because she's you know lulled herself into using the you know our our biggest enemy in the game of softball human nature has disarmed her has made her you know play the game lazy. And so it's a really simple thing, but it's a really complicated way to install it and instill it. We have to practice it. We got to work on it. We can't just talk about it one time and say, Don, when you catch this pitch, you'd make sure you check that runner.
1: And if she's off too far, then ABC and we're right. done. Right.
0: And, and you know, as the teams get better, of course, and when that catcher checks that runner at first, she might have the skills to throw behind her and pick her off. She might have the faith in her... First baseman to catch it and wheel and throw to second and make that play. But until we get to that point, the idea of getting the ball back to the pitcher as quickly and cleanly and effectively as we can is a great way to stop the whole thing. You know, a situation that you'll see, you know, a lot of times, like in first and thirds, teams will run that play where the runner at first is just basically kind of like jogging or walking towards second base to try to bait them into making the throw. The best way to stop that is to let her get close enough that the pitcher can make one quick throw and we can get the out before the runner at third has a chance to really get very far. If we do that and we're good at throwing and catching, we might get two outs out of the deal.
1: Well, and again, that's the chess match. Am I willing to give this up to get a run? or Right. Yeah. Or,
0: or am I confident enough in my defense to try to get the out or just to give up the base? Right. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I really do appreciate that the question because it's something that can be a really important part of the game and something that I think all teams should really be working on from an offense and defensive side of the discussion because there's nothing more heartbreaking for a defensive team than to have that momentary lapse, that momentary uh, brain cramp get exposed because the team that they're playing is that team that's always looking for a chance to get in a base and always looking for a chance to steal... Delayed steal, put pressure on the defense, make you make a throw, whatever it is. And so if we are working on both sides of it, I think we get a lot better at it a lot faster.
1: So Tori, all of our coaches need to put this in their notebooks that they need to cover it. And it starts with really good throwing and catching.
0: Right. And from there, training our players into what their responsibilities are and getting them to understand that. You know, when it's your job to cover a base, it's your job every single pitch, not just when you think she's going, not just when you think she might be going, not just because you like to do it sometimes and you don't want to do it other times. It's something that you know, we have to continually drill in because if we don't do it at the most fundamental levels, we're never going to be able to make the next level play.
1: And as you're saying this too, the outfielders shouldn't be bored because they've got places to be too. Right.
0: No, there's plenty of stuff for everybody to be yep. doing. And so if we can keep instilling that, we're going to go a long way towards it. Again, if you have questions or ideas, things you would like Coach Don and I to talk about, please make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will work. For at Anderson Bat Company, if you're in a position where you can, please become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. Order your Square Cuts training discs there. You've got access to the blogs and the YouTube channel. There's tons of information on my series about uh, what's wrong with travel ball has finally been concluded only 21 installations 21 uh, legs to that discussion it's a mini um, book yeah so uh, i will be starting on the what's right with travel ball but i keep telling people not to be disappointed it's not 21 Sessions
1: blogs long worth. yeah it's
0: not 21 blogs worth for coach don mckinley and our producer stan lewis this is coach tory saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next week